Well, amen. Good morning again. And once again, my name is Daniel, pastor here. I want to invite you to grab a Bible and uh, turn to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Just going to look at a small passage there, Ephesians chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to use a mobile device. Or there's a pew Bible in front of you. And uh, the pew Bible should be page 979. And uh, Ephesians chapter 6, this New Testament book there. We're going to look at just a short passage of Scripture this morning, very short, as we um, get ready to begin this series called White Picket Fences. You're going to say, what is a white picket fence? I mean, I know what a white picket fence is. What does that have to do with anything? And that's sort of this idea that uh, sometimes people have this, this false idea that one day I'll, I'll make it in life and, uh, and, and I'll get a house with a white picket fence and everything will be perfect. My life will be perfect. My family will be perfect. I'll be perfect. My kids will be perfect. The dog we have will be perfect. It'll never poop in the yard or anything like that. It'll just, I'll never gain any weight. Um, our, our marriage, our kids, everything will be glorious once I reach that status. And, uh, and some people think once they get that, you know, they, they are good. But the reality is things are not perfect even when you have those things. And many people in their homes and their lives were pretending on the outside like things are perfect while on the inside we're really a hot mess. Do you know what I'm talking about? And we're really good um, at that as people. And sometimes as Christians, we, we can be masters of the Christian poker face. You know what I mean? Like, it is well with my soul, brother. Everything is great. Praise the Lord. Praise Jesus. And we get out those doors and we're, you know, like, I wish I went to a different place. And now, I'm, you know, we just get going and we start you know, getting into our loved ones and that sort of stuff. And, 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 uh, and then we see somebody else in the park. Like, hey, brother. Hey, bro. Have a great week. God bless you. That's great. That's great. You know, and we go kick, go home and kick the cat and, and uh, you know, and just go on and grumbling about something. But we, we have to be careful about that, about that hypocrisy that can exist in all of our hearts. And, um, and so uh, this idea is that there are no perfect people. There are no perfect parents. As we look even at a perfect uh, as a, a parenting emphasis um, is, is that there are no perfect families either. And so um, if, if you're here during these weeks and, and you're not a parent, that's okay, because we all need to learn how to treat children, amen, in a, in a better way, because God has put us in the family of God. And so, um, you know, that's important. And some of you are grandparents raising kids, or some of you just, you know, you need to invite a family member and say, hey, you got to come uh, to church to be a part of this. And, uh, and so it really starts with goals, right? In fact, uh, that's the title of this message is, is goals, right? What are your goals? What are your parenting goals? What are your life goals? And, um, and because that really sets up the standard, right, for things. Because um, what you're aiming at determines your direction. Where you're looking determines your direction. And um, I don't know how many of you know this and realize this, but everybody has some goals. In fact, there's a little social media thing for those of you on social media uh, called hashtag goals, right? And somebody's like, what's a hashtag? Well, that's just the, the, the number or the pound symbol, but uh, it's called a hashtag, and, and that's how we share things on social media. But here are some goals that I found. I just thought I'd share some of these pictures with you. Uh, Brother Jim, I think we got some will show up on the screen there. Here's some relationship goals, and if you can't see that, it says on her shirt, together 19, then his says since 54, so together since 1954. That's some good relationship goals. Isn't that cute, right? Little matching jerseys. Uh, what's the next one there? Um, all right. Hey, this is uh, for people like me who are trying to save some money, right? These are romantic dinners, right? Uh, you know, you throw a candle on your iPhone there and, and get two cheeseburgers uh, for a dollar. 
Um, uh, actually, those are chicken. Those are chicken burgers. I don't even know what a chicken burger is, right? And um, that's that's right. Chickens don't have burgers. All right. All right. Next one. Uh, hey, here's the goal for your your little uh, corgi there. And uh, you know you got to start somewhere, right? He's just jumping over that little um, uh, wrapping paper roll there. Here's another one. Uh, squad goals, right? You know, squad. For those of you who aren't, is is like those are my people. Those are my friends, right? And and we're a squad. That's how we call it. We got my squad. And uh, we're going to be looking like that. Here's another one. Um, I love this one. Never give up on your dreams, right? That that little rhino really believes he can be a unicorn one day. He's working on those are goals. Let's see. We got a couple more here. And um, all right. When someone keeps complaining about how sore they are after one workout, right? Like, really? That's not good uh, gym goals. And um, all right, next one. All right, my fitness goal to weigh what I told the DMV I weigh. All right. <laughs> and uh, we don't tell the DMV what we weigh, right? I think we just got to give them our height and our eye color, right? I don't know. At least. Um, and then I love this one. Look, check this out. These family goal. Look at this matching T-shirt. Beautiful family here. Uh, the, the, the dad says executive producer. The mom says producer. And then number one is the original. Number two is the remix. Number three is the mixtape. Number four is the encore. And then that little baby is the mic drop. Boom. Beautiful. I love that. That's family goals right there. Right? I'm going to get my family some matching shirts like that. And uh, just beautiful. All right. I think we got maybe one or two more, right? Relationship goals to be a troll husband till the very end, right? You see she's trying to get weighed in, and he's stepping on that scale, just messing with his wife, you know? And um, I just gave all the husbands in here a good idea. You're like, I hadn't thought of that one. And um, – <laughs> And then seeing all the relationship goals, memes, and posts, I'm over here like goal of relationship, right? Everybody else is talking about, I just, I just want to get in a relationship. And then I think we got one more. Here we go. That's the real squad goals for all the Avengers fans out there. And um, um, I, won't, I won't spoil anything if you hadn't seen the, the new Endgame movie. Um, I will keep it all to myself. Um, but if you see me afterwards, um, I'll, I'll tell you some secrets. I'm just kidding. I don't want to spoil that for you. So what are your goals? That's the last one, I believe. What are your goals as, as a person? Because this determines your direction. And, um, and when we don't have the right goal, we end up in the wrong place, right? Because your life is really a path. You're on a path every day. You're taking steps on a path. Whether you're a child, a teenager, an adult, retired, you're taking a path. Your life is headed in a direction. And you have a goal whether you realize it or not. Right. And, and for example, if if I decide if I say I want to go to Florida, I want to go to Disney World. Right. That's my goal. But then I get on I-95 North. Am I going to get to where I want to go? <laughs> Not going 95 North. I'm, I'm going to go a different direction. And because um, I'm going to be on the path, you see. Now, listen, I could pray. I could pray as hard as I want. Lord, I want to go to Disney World. Lord, I'm just praying. You're going to let me. I, I can pray. I can plan all I want. I can do all the planning. And I got mapped out. We're going to arrive at the park at this time. I can get all my outfits matching and planned out. I can get the sunscreen. I can get my hat. I can get my bathing suit. I can get my Mickey stuff. And I, and I can be ready. I can do all this planning. I can do all this praying. But if I get on. That interstate and go I-95 north, I'm not going to get to Disney World, no matter how much I've prayed or planned. Why? Because you see, I'm on a path of action that is taking me a different direction. So it starts with goals, but every day we're, we're on a path 
that we're working on. And so I want us to look here at what uh, the Apostle Paul says to us in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. And it's, it's really related to parents and children. But I think because all of us are children of God, I think we're going to find some application for each of us. So read it with me uh, in Ephesians chapter 6. It says this, children, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And then he quotes from the Ten Commandments, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with the promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And then some translations or some people say, because if you don't listen to your parents, I'll kill you. And um, that's not in that's not in the Bible, folks. I'm just messing with you. All right. Then it says this. Pay attention now. Fathers, fathers, do not provoke. Do not provoke. Your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word preserved for us, not an old book, but an eternal book, applicable for every person and every time and every continent for all of human history. Your word is eternal. It's living and breathing. It's true, inspired and written by God useful for teaching, correcting, training, and righteousness so that all of us can be thoroughly equipped for the work you've called us to do. And so, God, I just pray you'd help me this morning communicate your truths. I pray you'd help us, Father, listen to you, Lord Jesus. In fact, I just want to ask you to have a little conversation wherever you are in your relationship with God. Just have a little conversation with him right there in your seat, just privately in your own heart, and just say something to God like this in, your, in the quiet. Just say, Lord, speak to me today. Lord, speak to me today. And I say this, for Lord, I intend to obey. Lord, I intend to obey. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. All right, let's dig in and and look at just a couple um, goals here that sometimes we have, especially in the parenting realm. Here are two goals. I'll show you number one. Point number one is this, is is we want to make children happy. We want to make children happy. These are two common goals. I'm going to show you the second one in a second. But the first one is make children happy. Have you ever seen this before? We want to buy everything. We want to get everything from them. Um, I mean, even babies, they start crying. It's amazing how something so small can control a full-grown adult. Have you all seen this? This is strange. It's tiny. It's, it can't walk. It can't feed itself. It can't talk. But yet it commands adults to get up out of their seat and go run and go check on that baby. It commands adults out of the dead of night. Never have I seen something so amazing, something so small yet so powerful. And I'm not saying this, uh, um, you know, you shouldn't pick up your baby when they're crying, anything like that. You know, but a lot of times, man, we just don't ever want them to make a peep, right? And I know when we had our first kid, we, we wouldn't let her cry at all. You know, it's just like, Oh, man, the, the baby can't cry. You know what I mean? She's having a bad day. And, and, uh, and I know the, the uh, well, I praise God for, as uh, the ladies, I stepped into one of our ladies' community groups this morning, and they said something about, you're going to come tell us about parenting? I said, no, this is the class that needs to tell me about parenting. And, um, and I praise God for some of those because y'all really helped us out when we had our first one. You know, the first one's always an experiment. And, um, and man, I tell you what, it was, it was tough, and we couldn't get her to stop crying through the night. And these ladies here, they helped us. They gave my wife all the little tricks and stuff that they did growing up, and better than what all the doctors were saying. And, and they said, it'll take three nights, and here's what you got to do. 
And, uh, and sure enough, first night she was screaming, ah! we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We can't take it. Get earplugs. And we lived in an apartment at the time, you know, and so when you've got an apartment living, you don't want your baby screaming because you've got three neighbors all around you. And, and you just, you want to hear the broom from upstairs going, shut that kid up, you know, and, uh, or your neighbor's banging on the, the little thin walls there. This is fun times. And, uh, so we're just like, please Lord. And we go through, make it through that night. She screams for hours and hours. And the second night she screamed for hours. And on the third night, like that, man, she went out and I thought, it works. These ladies know what they're talking about. And uh, it's just awesome like that. But, you know, I've seen parents at the park and there's a little two and three year old and they're like, come on, little Johnny, time to come home. And Johnny's like, no. Right. And now here's a full grown adult bowing to the wishes and demands of a little kid. And they're like, please, please, Johnny, you're embarrassed. You know, they don't say this, but this is what we're all thinking. Well, I'm a- you're embarrassing me in front of all these other parents. I'm going to look bad. So then we start doing stuff like, please, I'll, I'll, I'll give you some ice cream. Okay. I'll give you some candy. I'll give you a brand new Lexus. Just come on and let's get out of here. It's like we just bow before them and say, we got to make them happy. And if, and if they ever have a moment where they're made fun of or they get their feelings hurt or that sort of stuff, you know, everybody's got to get a trophy today. Right. You know, and it's like, well, we don't want to have any losers. No, we can't. We can't let a kid experience loss uh, because heaven knows they will be unhappy. And how many of you know this just doesn't work? This is a terrible goal. Because number one, if you do this successfully, which you won't, you'll create a spoiled little monster that's going to grow up and get a spouse. And they're going to demand that their spouse make them happy every single day of the of the year and every moment of the day. And their spouse is going to be miserable because they're going to command that their spouse. They're going to go to work thinking, I am the boss here. You don't tell me what to do. I'm, I'm I, I show up when I want to show up. I don't want to do that job over there. You go do that job. You're going to create a monster by giving in to every little demand and thing and, and spoiling them. But, you know, you really can't do this because kids change, right? Their, their happiness changes in the moment. This reminds me of a story I heard about the little boy whose turtle died. And his turtle died, and he was all sad, and he went to his dad just all crying. He was like, oh, my turtle died. And, you know, and I thought he was going to grow up to be Michelangelo. And, you know, I mean, I just... My poor turtle, and, and he's all just discouraged and everything, and the dad's trying to cheer him up. He doesn't want him to feel uh, the pain of loss and all that sort of stuff. And he's like, come on, son, this will be all right. But the boy's like, no, dad, it's not going to be all right. I'm crying in my life. <laughs> and he says, all right, all right, tell you, I'll tell you what, son, how about this? Let's, let's have a funeral for your little turtle. Let's have a funeral. Oh, dad, I don't want to have no funeral. I don't want to have a funeral. Hey, look, 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 son, look, look, look. We'll have a funeral, and we'll have some ice cream. And all of a sudden, the boy looks up with tears in his eyes. You say, ice cream, Dad? Yeah, 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 let's have some ice cream. Well, I don't know, Dad. It's still my turtle's dead, and I don't know what I want to do. All right, all right, hey, son, hey, son, look, 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 look. Listen, look, we're, we're going to have not just ice cream. We're going to have soda, too. Soda and cake. We're going to have cake, ice cream, and soda at this funeral. How's that sound? And the boy looks up some more, and he's like, oh, Okay. Maybe, but I don't know, Dad. I'm still saying. Oh, look, 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 look. You can invite all your friends. Go, go to the neighborhood. Go to the neighborhood. We're gonna get a little shoebox and put that turtle in there. And we're gonna. All your friends can come over. We're gonna have cake and ice cream and soda. It's gonna be great. And we're gonna celebrate your little turtle's life. I'll do a little funeral service. And the boy's wife tears. Okay, Dad. Cake, ice cream, soda. He's getting excited now. This, this sounds good. All my friends can come. Yeah, all your friends can come. All right. And so he's like, let me get the shoebox. And so the boy grabs the turtle. And as he grabs the turtle to put it in the shoebox, the turtle flips over and he's still alive. And the dad says, he's alive. He's alive. And the kid says, kill it, dad. Kill it quick. Do anything for some cake and ice cream and all my friends, right? 
Because our happiness can change in an instant like that, right? I mean, I was sad that my turtle died, but now I was, now I was ready to kill him. And so you can't make kids happy. And, and second bad goal, these are bad goals, is trying to make your children perfect. Trying to make your children perfect. Trying to make other people perfect. If you don't have any children, sometimes we try to make other people perfect, right? You're trying to make all your coworkers perfect, your spouse perfect, and, and your sisters and your brothers perfect. You're all up in their business. But a lot of times we as parents and grandparents, we want them to be the number one athlete, the number one in academics. They got to go to the right college. Got to be the best behaved. We got to start earlier. I don't know if y'all remember my kids were growing up. They had these baby Einstein videos. And I bought the lie, folks. I bought the lie because I thought if I show my kids these videos, they're going to be geniuses, right? Because that's what they're telling you is baby Einstein, right? You know, you're going to teach them to read by the time they're one. And they'll be speaking six different languages from watching these little puppets jump around on, on, on the video, you know. And, um, and I remember they also had these my baby can read things too, right? Yeah, it's all just a bunch of hogwash. But, but what's in that in parents? It's like I want my kids to succeed. I want them to be perfect. And so we start preschool early and early. And I praise God for our academy and our preschool and for the way they come alongside parents. But, but they can't do the parents' job for them. And all of our teachers will tell you that in a heartbeat. You know, but it's like, man, we, we, got, we got to start kids earlier. You know, we've started education or we started making them write earlier, start making them try to read earlier, all to improve our SAT scores. And meanwhile, in America, SAT scores are still going down. And, and the age of education that we're forcing kids to try to do all this stuff and they're not ready for it, they're like, I can't do this. I can't even hold a pencil, you know. And uh, it's because of our desire that is personal. Our identity is wrapped in. We're trying to make them perfect. Hey, this happened in churches too, right? In churches, we want our kids to be the best looking, the best behaved. You've got to dress this way and this way, and, and I can't let other families know that, that you, you might do this and get in trouble. So we try to you know, make our kids look like they're the most perfect kids. And, um, and uh, man, we show off, hey, little Johnny just memorized this verse. He memorized the whole Testament in Hebrew, you know, and, uh, and we go on through that sort of stuff. And, and, and people tell me, little Johnny, man, he's going to be a pastor, right? And I'm like, I just saw your kid in Sunday school, like looking underneath the girl's skirt, like, I don't, we got to get some things worked out here. If he's going to be a pastor, we got to start working on some character here, you know, and uh, like you got you got to hold off on that. It's like we, we want them to be perfect. But the reality is, you know what? No one is perfect, according to the Bible. And you can't control another person. You can't make another person perfect. And so these are bad goals. Let me give you a better goal. Right. A better goal is this. Here's really God's goal for all of us. Right. Is that I fulfill my responsibility and calling as a parent. If you're not a parent, then you can just scratch that out and put it as a person. You have a calling. You have a responsibility as a person, as a parent that God has called you to do. And the only person you're responsible for is yourself, right? We're trying to control everybody else. And, and we have no control over them. And listen, let's be honest, folks. We don't even have control over us most of the time, which is where the struggle is. And we're like, I just gave up on myself. It feels better to control these other people. And I know they're going to blow it, so I feel better when I, when I tell everybody, oh, you blew it. Look at you. Look at how you acted. And, uh, and I just get on that. And so you are responsible. This is a way better goal. And this is really what the Apostle Paul is talking to us about. Notice he says to the children, children, obey your parents in the Lord. He's a specific command for children. And then for the parents and specifically for the fathers, he says fathers. And, and, and let me give you uh, three things here to kind of help you fulfill your calling as a parent. You're going to see them in the text here. Um, here it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. Reach over and touch your neighbor and say, bring them up. Bring them up. Bring them up. What, is it, what does that mean? What does that mean, bring them up? This refers to 
a person's total development, their whole life, not just their physical development, but their spiritual, their mental, their emotional development. And so I got a couple points here. I'm going to throw them on the screen, Brother Jim. Uh, point number one, let me give you three things to help you here, and you'll see them here. Uh, there are three ways to kind of help us do this, and, and you can write these down. It's through a Christ-like environment, then it's through Christ-like discipline, and then Christ-like instruction. And, and, and I'm going to show you where those are at. You can just see them there in the text. But let me give you a second to write those down, and then we have these lovely plants up here today that I'm going to utilize here, and, and uh, we're going to walk through this here in the text. And so Christ-like environment, Christ-like discipline, and Christ-like instruction. And I'm gonna, let's go back to that verse there, uh, Ephesians 6, 4, please. Brother Jim it says this, right? Ephesians 6, 4, it says, but do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up. And so this is the environment that we bring uh, people up in, in our homes. We need to create a Christ-like environment that is filled with love, that is filled with acceptance, with abundant time and talk. And so if you think about these plants that I have here, right? And, and these plants need some soil, right, to grow in, right? They need some soil. And that soil is the environment that they need. And then they also need some water. And that's going to be the Christian or the Christ-like instruction. And then they also need some structure, right? They need a root system and, and either a space to grow out in their roots or, or some structure like a pot like these have, these beautiful pots up here to give them structure. And that's going to be that Christ-like discipline is the structure that they need. And so it's Christ-like environment, Christ-like discipline, and Christ-like instruction. In fact, we got a, a picture here, right? I'm going to walk them through these pictures here. I, uh, I was going to draw a plant, but I thought all of you guys would make fun of my drawings. And so here's here's what it looks like here. It's the environment, right? And, and that's, the, that's kind of the soil there. And, and I'm going to give you three words for the environment here in just a second. Uh, but this is that Christ-like environment. This is that bring them up. What are we bringing them up in? What is the soil like in our homes, in our lives? And here are uh, a couple words here. The first one here is loving touch. You can go ahead and write that down underneath that. And then it's abundant time and then encouraging talk. Loving, appropriate touch. How many of you know or have heard uh, about the, the failure to thrive? Um, and, and maybe you're familiar with this. But it actually happened during an unusual experiment. A king named Frederick II, during the 13th century, he wanted to know what language babies would speak if no one spoke to them. And in fact, he had sort of a, a strange religious twist to it because he really wanted to know what language Adam and Eve spoke. Can I just ask you this? Sometimes we get on some little religious weird tangents. What benefit does it do anybody in the kingdom of God to know what language Adam and Eve spoke? Nothing. But Christians will gather around and try to look it up and go through this. Well, it was Hebrew. It might be Greek, all sorts of stuff. What does it matter what they spoke? How does that affect how people get into heaven? How does that affect my daily life and following Christ? It's just some strange uh, stuff we like to get into. Don't don't get off from away from the gospel on some weird stuff. And so, but he said, I wonder what language these babies will speak if no one speaks to them. So they, he had them all live in a nursery. It was 50 babies. 50 babies all lived in a nursery, and he commanded all the little uh, nursing ladies to, that were taking care of them. Uh, he said, do not speak to them at all. You're not allowed to speak, and you're not allowed to make any oohs or ahs or googlies or gagas or that sort of stuff because that will taint the experiment. All you can do is feed them and change them. Feed them and change them. So those uh, nursing ladies came in to feed them and change it. He wanted to know what language would these babies speak, but his experiment 
fail. Do you know why his experiment failed? Because these people weren't talking to these babies. The, the babies all died. Because they weren't talking to them. They weren't cuddling them. They weren't holding them. And, and, and there's this failure to thrive. That if babies, and the same is true for adults, there is something powerful about loving appropriate touch, right? That's what we're talking about here. We're not talking about inappropriate touch, okay? But, but hugs and, and wrestling and all that sort of stuff and pats on the back. And, man, there is something about that. And these babies died because they did not have that loving touch and some encouraging words. There's power in our touch. Look, you notice what Jesus did in the gospel of, of Mark. I love Jesus because he made time for children, right? And, um, and look what happens in the gospel of Mark chapter 10, verses 13 to 14. We're going to put it up there. It says, and they were bringing children to him that he might, what? Touch them. Man, they wanted Jesus to place their hands and bless these children. There was something in the Hebrew culture that fathers would put their hands upon their, their, their children's shoulders or upon their heads. And they would pronounce upon them a blessing. Uh, I believe in you. You're my child and I love you and I'm proud of you and I'm conferring all of my love upon you. And they wanted Jesus, this great rabbi, this Messiah, this teacher to, to also bless these children. Man, I want you to bless my child. I want you to touch them and to lay hands upon them, right? But look what the disciples did. But the disciples, what? Rebuked them. Man, Jesus ain't got time for kids. He's doing important adult things. Get these kids out of here. They're noisy. They can't sit still. They got runny noses. They, they, they touch everything and they break everything and they're just all in the way and they're crumpling up stuff. Get them out of here. This is church time. This is Bible study time. We don't, we don't want them around here. What did Jesus say to them? But verse 14 says this, but when Jesus saw it, he was indignant. Do y'all know what indignant means? He was really, really angry for how they treated the children. Because children are precious, but oftentimes we, we don't treat children as if they're human beings. They're just in the way. And then he said to them, let the children, what? Come to me and do not hinder them, for such belongs the kingdom of God of God. Jesus was touching his children. He wanted to encourage them and he spent time with them. And, and we're talking about loving and appropriate touch. You, you gotta, you gotta hug your kids. You, you gotta, man, you gotta wrestle with them, especially dads. We're good at that, right? Uh, or maybe you are, maybe you're not. You, you don't have to be, a, I'm not talking about like WWF type stuff, like come off the top ropes. Okay. But you gotta wrestle. And I have four girls and one boy. And I'm telling you, my girls love to wrestle just as much as my boy does. The difference is, I think I told you this before, is that Liam, my son, he goes for the kill every time. He's five years old, but he can hurt me. And so when I'm wrestling with the girls, they're just jumping on my back, they're just doing stuff. But he goes for the jugular. He goes for the face. He goes for, you know, down here. And I just got to I just, I gotta protect myself when I wrestle with him. And he's five, you know. But even as my girls get older and they can get into that awkward stage, you know, and then moms especially, you know, you know, it's easy to love on the little kids when they're cute and cuddly. And then they start, you know, getting into preteen and they're like, you know, I don't want to I don't want your kisses. Like especially the boys are like, mom, don't do that. But listen, you need to keep doing that. Amen. OK, keep doing Keep embarrassing them. You know, when they like drop me off at the corner, you're like, oh, no, I'm not. I'm following you in today. Right. And uh, I'm going to put my arm around you and I'm just going to walk you in there. Right. And because uh, on the outside, they're hating life. But on the inside, they're feeling so secure. 
They're feeling like, man, I know that my mom, I know that my dad, I know that my grandma, I know my grandpa loves me. And, 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 I, and again, if you don't have children in the home and you're a, a grandma, grandpa, you're a great grandpa, you have such a profound ability to confer blessing by of man, just loving touch. That's the, the first one in this environment. The second one is abundant time. Abundant time. Are there any NASCAR fans? Any NASCAR fans in here? Listen, God has love for you people too. There, there is hope. There is hope. I know some people say it's a real sport. I don't really know how it's a real sport. In fact, I'm going to join the NASCAR circuit. I know how to do it. Okay, y'all ready? It's, it's really, you get in, you drive straight, you turn left. You drive straight, you turn left. You drive straight, you turn left. That's it. I mean, how hard can that be, right? Oh, yeah, that's not a big deal. No, I'm just playing. I, I know way better that NASCAR requires a whole lot more skill than that. I'm just messing with you. But what amazes me more than the drivers, you know what amazes me more than the drivers? Is the pit crew. They got like between 12 and 13 seconds, right? That car pulls off there. That whole team of people is like, they're changing the oil, washing the car, wiping the windshields and new tires, this, that, and, you know, give the guy Gatorade, wipe him down with sweat. I don't know what they do. They, they, they make over the whole car in like 15 seconds. And then they're off and that car goes, and uh, man, but you know, that's kind of how parenting is today. Boy, parents are so busy. Grandparents are so busy. We're picking them up from ballet practice and piano practice and recital. And it's like, okay, how's your homework? Get your homework. Okay, here's some dinner. We throw some chicken nuggets in the back of the van. Okay, all right, now we get get you in bed. Okay, good night. All right, I got to do this and that. And let's get in bed. And we get up all to do it tomorrow. And we just watch them go by. But kids need abundant time. Pastor Lee, my pastor, the pastor here used to say, how do kids spell Love, they don't spell it L-O-V-E. They spell it T-I-M-E. They need abundant time. And so making time for your kids. And in fact, I'll just tell you, grandparents, boy, because you guys have perspective, sometimes you help us parents out because you, you got through it. All the pressure's not on you. And you just take your time. You go on nice slow walks. You and you linger at the playground. You linger at the at the, uh, at the the ice cream shop and all that sort of stuff. Um my, my kids, uh, the three little ones this week, uh, went to see their grandparents, and um, and I got pictures last night, and I should have thought to show them on the screen, okay, but sometimes they lingered a little too much at the ice cream store because my dad got this idea from being in another country about like a loaded milkshake, so as if the milkshake wasn't enough sugar for the kid. There's whipped cream and like four cookies and then a straw made out of cookies and then like a Reese's and like M&M's. I'm like, the kid's going to go into a sugar coma. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing as grandparents, but can he get not get, you know, eyes rolling in the back of his head? And uh, and so, but he stayed there with them, so they had to deal with him this morning, so they just got to figure it out. And um, and so, but they need abundant time. And, and listen, I, I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I have five kids, and, and when they're involved in stuff, it's like really difficult to spend that time with them. And, and I'll tell you what, let me, let's give our hats off and let's give a round of applause really to the single parents. Amen. Can we just give single parents a round of applause and some single grandparents? Because I know it's hard with two parents, but single parents, I don't know how you're doing what you're doing. It is amazing. And I know you would say it's nothing but the grace of God. Some of y'all are working two jobs. I know some ladies here and they've worked two and three jobs in raising kids and, um, and, and they, they navigated it. But let me tell you this, no matter who you are, a regular parent, a single parent, that temptation for all of us is there to not spend the abundant time that kids need. Right? 
my excuse could be, I got five kids. I got hundreds of people in church. I got all this stuff I got to do, and I'll make excuse. And, and you and I, we're, we're, we're so easy to make those excuses and to say, I don't have time. But you know what? The reality is we have time. We, we have time what we make time for, right? I was over at the field house today because my kids had uh, something going on over there this morning, and uh, I had to drop them off at 7 o'clock, and, and at 7 o'clock, the field house parking lot was already packed. I couldn't find a parking spot at the field house, folks. And, uh, and, and there were little basketball kids there, and they had, they had games starting at 7 o'clock. I mean, the parents had to have them there at 6-something. And, uh, and what if we said, hey, we're going to have church service at 7 o'clock, right? All the parents are going to be like, oh, no way. I can't get my kids up for that. But I can get them up for a basketball game, right, that they're not going to go pro for. And, um, and, and they're not. I know. I know you're thinking they will, but they won't, okay? And, um, and, and listen, here's the deal, though. We make time for what we want to do. And if we really want to spend time with them, we'll make time to do it. And so we've got to get it in there. And, uh, and I know like, well, I'll finish my degree or just this season at work is busy or it'll be around the holidays or I'll do it later. And later never comes, does it? And so we need loving touch, abundant time. And then the final thing is for this soil is this encouraging talk, encouraging talk. I don't know about you, but God convicted me a while ago about how I speak to people and to my kids because my wife would often say, you know, you're being really uh, rough with the kids. You're just being really demanding with the kids. And, and sometimes we don't think kids are people and we can begin to like bark at them and treat them because we're bigger, we're stronger, we know more, all this sort of stuff. And so here's what little kids can hear from us sometimes. Um, and, uh, and I wrote this down. It says something like this. Put that down, Mike. Go to the store for me right now. I don't care what you're doing. You need to go now. Be quiet. Listen up. Give me that book. Do you want to ruin it? Hurry up. Finish your dinner. We got to go. I'll leave you here. If you don't finish your dinner, I'll leave you in the restaurant. Go away. Leave me alone. Can't you see that I'm busy right now? Not like that, stupid. Can't you do anything right? You'd lose your head if it wasn't screwed on. Hurry up. We don't have all day. Don't touch that. Put that down. What's the matter with you? Are you deaf? Throw that thing away. No, you can't keep that in your room. That's disgusting. I don't know. I I don't know what I'm going to do with you. You drive me crazy. Give that thing to your sister. She's smaller than you. I don't care if it's your favorite doll. It's filthy. Get rid of it. Look at me when I'm talking to you. Some kids get that all day long. Right? It's like the little story, the, the story I heard about the little boy who went to his first day of school and then somebody asked him, they said, how was your first day of school? What did you learn? The little boy said, I learned that my teacher can yell just as much as my mama can. Right? And um, I mean, it's just, we have to be careful. We have to make sure that our talk is encouraging, that we're building them up and, and that, we're, that we're blessing people because, you know, kids are real people too. Heard another story about a kid in a restaurant and, and you know, moms, we can get kind of like this and, and, and dads too is like, we're not going to let our kids order that sort of stuff. And, uh, but the waitress, she went up to the kids. She didn't ask the parent and, um, and uh, she asked the, the kid, she's like, what do you want for dinner tonight, honey? And he's like, oh, I'd like a hamburger. And the mom was like, you will not have a hamburger. Give him roast beef. And the waitress didn't pay the mom any attention. And she said, what would you like with your hamburger, son? And, uh, and he goes, oh, I'd like fries. And she goes, you are not having fries. Give him mashed potatoes. And again, the waitress didn't pay any attention to the mom and just looked at the kid and said, what would you like to drink? And he goes, oh, to drink. I'd like a Sprite. And she goes, you're not having a Sprite. Give him milk. And so the waitress went away and then, and then came back. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it, she brought out a hamburger, fries, and a Sprite. 
And the little boy is so excited. He's bumping. He goes, Mama, Mama, she thinks I'm real. She actually sees me. And listen, I'm not saying it's wrong to order for your kids because, you know, kids will be wanting to order ice cream every single day, right? My kids go to IHOP. They want that funny face. They don't eat it. It's filled with chocolate and all that. And so listen, I'm not saying don't order for your kids, but we have to be careful that we don't forget that they're a person with feelings made in the image of God. And, and we have to recognize. In fact, one of my, I was doing something with my son um, uh, the other week, and, uh, and one of the guys here was busting my chops because he was like, oh, you listen to your kids? And uh, I know he was trying to like, no, you're the parent. You tell your kids what to do. But, but my son was nervous and scared about something. And, and I had to learn this from my wife because I, I tend to be like that. Chop, 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 and I don't recognize they have feelings. But when I said, you know what? He's scared about this. I'm not going to make I want him to do it. But I realize he's a person with real feelings. And when I get scared, I don't want to do so. I don't want somebody pushing me into it. Right. And so, you know, I, I had to just take that time. And say, you know what? He's scared about this. And so I, I, I am going to listen to him. Because I'm, I'm acknowledging he is a person. I'm not giving him rule over my family. That's different. We're going to talk about discipline next week. Okay? And trust me, sometimes we're way too lax with the discipline. And, and kids in our time can do a whole lot more. And we could do a whole lot better with disciplining them uh, instead of being so loosey-goosey. But there's an appropriate time and place for that. And you have to recognize they need encouraging talk. Amen? And um, look at uh, the Gospel of Mark. This was the end of that passage about Jesus uh, when he took the children. And in the Gospel of Mark, it says he took the children, uh, Mark uh, chapter 10, verse 16, and he took them in his arms and he what? He blessed them. What is a blessing? It's, it's, it's a encouraging talk, laying his hands on them. He encouraged them. And then I think about what did God the Father say about his son, Jesus Christ? Have y'all thought about that? What were the words that God spoke to his son as he began his ministry here on earth? Maybe you know the Bible story. Maybe you're familiar with it. Is that Jesus, when he began his ministry, he got baptized. And that was the signal, the start of his ministry. And in the Gospel of Matthew, we'll put it on the screen here, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17. This is what God said. He said, this is my what, son? This is my beloved son with whom I'm what? Well pleased. Hey, can I just tell you for every person here, God says those words about you because if you're a follower of Christ, you're in Christ, you're a Christian, he says you are my beloved daughter. No matter your age or, or what, your background or what you did, he says you are my daughter. You are my beloved daughter. You are my beloved son. And with you, I am well pleased. He would say that to every believer in this place today. No matter what you've done, no matter what your background is, no matter what you said before you came in this room. God would say that to you this morning. You see, because when we talk about parenting, we're really trying to be like our perfect father, as we sung earlier, right? We sung that song, God, you are a good, good father. And what this really boils down to, whether you have any kids or not, is that I am called to be like Christ. I am called to represent the Father God in this world with all the people I meet, with my coworkers. And, and, and listen, could you take this into your job place? Could you take this into your with your spouse? Could you do a little more, right? With with encourage with with loving touch, with abundant time, and with encouraging words? Man, we sure could. And so in these coming weeks, we're gonna talk about the rest of these things. And let's go to that picture again, Brother Jim. Uh, and then we'll we'll wrap up uh, with the plant picture. So the first thing that we're responsible for is our calling as parents is the environment we're cre we create, right? 
and that environment, that soil, the nutrients, which gives a child the best opportunity to grow is that loving touch, abundant time, encouraging talk. And then the second thing we can throw that up there is, is discipline. We're going to talk about that next week. And that's going to be the, the rigid structure that we provide them with, whether they're babies, whether they're teenagers, elementary age kids. And, and what is the structure? What is the discipline? Christ-like discipline look like? Because kids are a danger to themselves. Did you know that? Right? There are people, and we need to acknowledge their personhood, but there are also reckless people with a sinful nature, and they will destroy themselves and, and many other people along with them. And then the, the next part is, the third week, we're going to talk about instruction. That's like the water that, that they need to grow. But how many of you know this? I'm responsible for putting those things in and creating them as a parent, as a grandparent, as, as a person who is an aunt and, 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 and you know spending time with nieces and, and, and nephews, that sort of stuff, right? But that plant has a responsibility to respond to that, right? That parent has a responsibility to uh, – that, that plant, right, the plant has a responsibility to grow. It can choose to grow or not. And our children, you won't – this won't create a perfect child. That child has a response to the things you do. And they can choose to say, no, thank you. I don't care about that. Or they can choose to say, wow, this, this is great. I appreciate what my parents, my grandparents, my family has done for me. They have a choice to deal with what God has given them. And you know what the final thing is, right? You probably already guessed it, that plants need to grow. What have we missed? Oh, the sunshine. And guess what you and I are not in control of? We are not in control of the sun, are we? And your kids and you as a parent need the sun of God shining in your lives, giving you the light of day, showing you how to walk, showing you what to do, bringing the warmth of, of, of the right kind of environment into your lives. And you can't do this, parent. You can't do this, grandparent. You can't live life without the sun empowering you. Amen? And that's really what it means to be a Christian is that I get my power. I'm solar powered. I get my power from the Son of God. And so as we prepare for our time of response, as we prepare to think through this, as we prepare to think about the gospel, it's, it's really this. Man, all of us. I talked about goals before, right? I talked about you know, having the right goal and, and setting our sights on the right thing and, and not trying to make people happy and people, people, people pleasers, but doing what God has called me to do. But do you know what the reality is? We're all born. Listen to me now. Stay with me. We're all born with the wrong goals. Did you know that? The Bible says, Romans 3, chapter uh, 23, right? And we'll put that on the board. It says, for all, for how many? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have had the wrong goals. That's what it means to be born a human in this broken world. And, and do you know what the word sin really is? It's actually an archery term. It's an archery term. There's a target. There's a goal on the wall. And to sin means to, I shoot my arrow, and I miss the mark. That's what sin means. It's actually an archery term in the Bible. It means I've missed the mark. And the Bible says every human being, myself, you, every human being has missed God's standard. We are not perfect. And we deserve to be punished. We deserve to be disciplined. And, and the wages of sin is death. And we have no hope without Jesus Christ. And the beautiful thing is God sent his son, Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He hit the bullseye when he lived on earth. He lived a perfect life, dead center, not one mistake, not one sin. And the Bible says this, that for in order to be a Christian, this is what it means, is that you, you give God your mistakes. You say, God, I have blown it. I have sinned. I have whoo, shot my arrow and fallen short. I have just made so many mistakes as a person, as a parent, as a sister, as a brother, and I have failed. And then Jesus says, yeah, but I'll give you, I'll give you my arrows and my target. 
And when you stand before God, the righteousness that is given to me and every Christian is the righteousness that Jesus Christ offers. And that's what it means to be a follower of Christ. Do you know the Lord personally like that this morning? I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I'm going to pray, and then after that, we're going to have a time to respond as we sing together. And, and that time of response, we'd love to help you uh, navigate your decision to submit your life to Christ, to say, look, I've blown it, I have mistakes, and I want the forgiveness that only Jesus can offer me. And so let's pray together, and then we'll be dismissed. With heads bowed and eyes closed, let's go before the Lord. Father, thank you. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for sending Jesus, the one who hit the mark, the one who had the perfect goals, who's never made a mistake, the one who has loved children and grandchildren. And when we have fallen so short, Lord, and we have been cross, we have been rude. God, we have been selfish. Thank you that the blood of Jesus, because he took the cross, because of the resurrection, offers us new life today and every day. That we don't have to parent, we don't have to grandparent alone. We don't have to do life alone because you're with us. And if you're here today and you don't have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ that I talked about, and again, I'm not talking about religion. I'm not talking about church membership. I'm talking about a relationship. You need to, and you desire in your heart to begin a relationship with God. Would you just pray in your seat? I could help you, but it's not my prayer. It would be the the desire of your heart and God would respond. And you would just maybe in your seat, repeat these words after me in the quietness of your heart, you would say something to God like this. Dear Jesus, dear Jesus, I admit that I have sinned against you. I admit that I've sinned against you. God, I have done wrong and you know it. God, I have done wrong and you know it. I'm sorry for the things I've done, God. I'm sorry for the things I've done, God. I ask that you would forgive me. I ask that you would forgive me. And I believe that Jesus came to die in my place. I believe Jesus came to die in my life. And I believe that he rose from the grave. Help me now, Jesus, to follow you all the days of my life. Help me now to follow you all the days of my life. I surrender my life to you right now. I surrender my life to you right now. Help me, God, to walk with you. Help me, God, to walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.